With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in, Broncos fans. Hey, we actually have something to celebrate. Hooray for us. The Broncos found a way to win and to defeat the lowly, lowly Cleveland Browns. Now, not everyone in Broncos country is happy about this. My feelings are actually a little mixed about this. Um, but in the end, a win is a win is a win. And it does feel good. It's it, it, the, the most important thing, as we've said over and over and over, is to see improvement from the youngsters, to see who has a future on this team. And we're absolutely seeing that from some of the Broncos players. That's what we want. Now, if they win or they lose, yeah, it does end up mattering in the end. Is it better for them to lose than win right now? Yeah, probably. I mean, at least if you're looking at it just purely, you know, as 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 a fact of where you're going to draft. But that's it's not that simple. Now, people like Scotty with, with MileHarryPort.com, I think especially Scotty, is extremely um, morose about the whole thing, doesn't think Locke is the answer at quarterback, and thinks the only way for the Broncos to succeed in the future is for them to lose. Now, that could be right. We don't know. The problem is, is that the drafts are crapshoots and, and quarterbacks are crapshoots. And you don't know what's going to work. You don't know if Tua or Herbert or any of these guys are going to be successful. It's the same with Locke. We don't know yet. And and so I think it's a hard thing to really be able to judge if it's better to be, you know, 2 and 14 or if it's better to be 6 and, and 10. Now, yeah, it is, it is technically, again, it is better in my opinion, either you are over 500, you're nine and seven, or it's better to be two and 14. But it's not that simple because, you know, when you win these games, when you find a way to win, when you find a way to pull it off and these young guys can taste victory and and can learn what it takes to win, that is important. That does matter. And, And it's something that builds trust in the locker room. It builds friendships. It builds you know, a, a good atmosphere with your coaches. And, and you can start to see that players and coaches in the organization again finds that path back to victory. And that, that I, I do think that can absolutely be underrated. Now, yeah, you know, this is a game I wouldn't have minded if they lost. I, I know that that's, it sucks to say. I know people don't like it. When I'm watching the game, I'm 1 million percent cheering for the Broncos, especially this game. Against Indianapolis, it was a little different because it was Flacco. We'll, we'll go into that in a bit. But in this game, you, know, you got young guys starting, you got young guys playing. You have a potential future, even a quarterback, you could say. I, I know it's not it's not likely or it's not going to happen, but you could still say it because he's a young guy who's unproven. And in that case, you want them to win because you're cheering for them. They're our team. They're my team. They're the team I want to see succeed. And... The only reason it was different against Indianapolis was because it was with Flacco, and I knew that this team had no faith, no hope with Flacco. They had no future with Flacco. They never did, and so I was cheering for a loss for one to get Flacco off the team, you know, to get Locke into a starting position, and in the end to you know move them closer to a higher draft pick. Now, it's it's a it's an unwinnable situation, I guess you could say. If they win, they get farther away from a draft pick. If they lose. They, they, they lose that good feeling in the locker room. So I don't know what's better. I don't think anyone does. There's no real answer for that. So at this point, as long as they're starting youngsters, as long as they're starting even Allen, but especially if they're starting Drew Locke, I will root for them to win because, you know, a guy you pick at, at 15 has really a little less chance of succeeding than a guy you pick at five, but it depends on the position. Now, it's, of course, better in the draft if you pick higher but it it doesn't it's 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 a it's an entire scenario that that you can't look at it by itself it, it has different components that also matter like the atmosphere and culture in a locker room in this game i do think built a better culture i firmly believe it i think flacco was an absolute plague i think he was a cancer for this team again i'm not judging him as a person so don't get at me about him being a bad person he's probably great 
But as a player, that lack of emotion and that that lack of leadership, that lack of spark and just being bad in this scheme, it has to to really affect his teammates. And you could see it even from Philip Lindsay, who I think is a you know a I don't know if a humble dude, but a guy who is you know he's real, he's fiery, and he's he's in the moment. And Sanders also, you know, so Sanders was was complaining about it, and then he got traded. Lindsay, you know, on the field was shouting at Flacco like, "Dude, why are you passing me that ball?" Uh, that was a couple weeks ago against um, who was that against? the Chiefs, I think. Um, and and so now when you have a guy who comes in, he's fresh-faced and he's excited and he's pumped up and he's he's making, you know, maybe not good throws, but he's he's putting his his teammates in a place to succeed. He did that with, with, with Sutton. And you know what? That touchdown pass to Sutton was not a good pass. It, it really wasn't, but he trusted his guy. And you know what Sutton did? He paid him back for it. He made an unbelievable catch because Allen trusted him, because Allen said, you know what, Sutton's a beast, and I'm going to trust him to make this play. And it's the exact opposite of what Baker Mayfield did with Odell Beckham Jr. On that last play of the game when he threw it into the middle with Landry, you know, you had OBJ on one-on-one with Chris Harris Jr., and he beat Chris Harris Jr., but Mayfield didn't give him a chance. Now, yes, it's play call, it's everything else, but... It's still, it still it matters. This is something that matters, and it helps these young players to grow. Look at Noah Fant. This guy couldn't really do much at all for the entire season because Joe Flacco missed him over and over and over. And you can watch the tape. You can see Fant running open in the middle. You can see Deshaun Hamilton running over the middle free. You can see Sanders, Sutton, other guys open. But Flacco couldn't move, and he couldn't create that extra second to find these guys. And, and because of that, they, I truly believe they lose interest. They lose hope. They lose this faith of, yeah, why should I give it my all? Now, I'm not saying they quit, but I think you can see that in a team. When they start to lose faith in their leadership and in their quarterback, they start to play worse. Look at Cleveland. You think Cleveland trusts Odell Beckham Jr. right now? You think they trust their coach? I mean, they're out there you know, threatening fans after the game, their defense. I mean, they can't tackle for garbage. I mean, they're a bad team right now, and they've got a lot of talent. So it's not all about talent, as we well know. A lot of it is about the culture. It's about that faith in the locker room, and it's about being good teammates. And I believe Joe Flacco was not a good teammate, partly because he doesn't have that fire, that a young team, or I guess they're not young, but they have a young nucleus that needs leadership. They need a quarterback to rally them and say, this is our time. This is, you know, rah, rah, rah. And that's what they need. And I think Drew Locke could be that guy. Now, is he going to be talented enough? I don't know. Maybe Brandon Allen can be that guy. I saw more from him than I did from Flacco. At least the dude smiles when something good happens. He's jumping up and clapping his, his his teammates on the back. I mean, I didn't really see that from Flacco. And it matters. It does matter. Now, in in, in my article on MileHarryReport.com, which you can obviously go over and read, um, I do, I go and I grade each group for the team. And we'll talk about that probably in the second segment. Uh, or the third segment, I should say, because the skipper dude has a really, really good segment coming up in the middle here um he talks about his hot takes that he is predicting for the rest of the season and that they're really really phenomenal I I highly recommend it and and funny too so definitely stick around for the second and third segments of course um but you know in those grades I I give Joe Flacco an F minus 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 I'm kind of joking because it looks kind of like a cuss word um (laughs) anyway um yeah, he was that bad, but but I also gave the front office a really bad grade because I you have to to blame them for this because they don't they're, they're not seemingly aware of all of their issues because if they were, you wouldn't bring in Joe Flacco. I mean, why can I see this and the front office can't see that behind a bad offensive line, which yes, James getting hurt obviously, you know, was a big problem. But, you know, they've got Bowles, they've got McGovern and Leary, an old injured Leary who can barely block anymore. you got a, a rookie. Why did you ever think that was going to be a good offensive line? They shouldn't have. And that being the case, in, in the scheme that they run, which is or should be a lot of play action, bootleg, rollout, you bring in a slow old quarterback and then a quarterback who can't even move in the pocket and, and he hasn't been good for years. And then Elway has the nerve to come out and say he's in his prime. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's bad, guys. It's bad. Now, the good thing is it's over. But the bad thing is, it probably had to happen because, one, he got injured, and two, he criticized the offense. Is that really what it took to to bench a guy who had no passion, who gave up on the team, who closed his eyes when he made throws because he couldn't trust his offensive line? 
He didn't move in the pocket. When you have a guy who's never played a snap in the NFL come in against a decently talented defense in you know Cleveland, they're 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 not a terrible defense. And Allen comes in against them and looks infinitely better than Joe Flacco. And you know what's the worst thing? I knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. We all knew he was going to be better. It's not like, I mean, I, I predicted that, but it's not like I, I'm not even going to pat myself on the back. You knew he was because he, he was mobile. He could actually move in the pocket. He could roll to his right and make a nice pass, which he was a brilliant pass to Noah Fant along the sideline. And I think it was in the third or fourth quarter. And he made a couple of very nice passes. He didn't do a lot. He didn't, he wasn't great, but he did enough. He didn't make big mistakes. And, and that's what matters. I mean, with a team like this who has a good defense and a good running game, or what should be a good running game, you need a quarterback who can keep the defense honest. Joe Flacco, of course, didn't do that. So the defense was just stacking the line and blitzing every play, and they knew that Joe Flacco couldn't couldn't you know read the hot reads, couldn't read the blitz, and he was just going to panic and, and, and either throw it away or, or get sacked. And now they've changed that. And with Brandon Allen, this is a better team. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for us. I mean, really. So, I mean, in the next games, they're, they're playing some really tough defenses in Minnesota and Buffalo. But, you know, I have more faith in this team. Are they going to win? Probably not. But but we have some some faith to say, hey, look, we can see what Brandon Allen can do, or Drew Locke can do after a few weeks, probably, what they can do with guys like Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. And it's going to be better than Joe Flacco. That's awesome. Our youth, our youngsters can really show out now. They can show, hey, look, we are the future of this team. Justin Simmons, dude's got to get paid. Alexander Johnson, ranked by Pro Football Focus, <coughs> who I, you know, I don't love, but still, they ranked him as one of the top players. I think he was their top middle linebacker in the month of October. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. This is an undrafted guy in his second year who, who was on the practice squad, came out of nowhere, and has been a stud. Now, that's fantastic. That's good. My question is, why on earth did this team not let him get that chance? He had a good preseason. He had a great camp. And yet, you're still going with these old, slow, or I guess Jewel's not old, but slow middle linebackers who, who can't really work in Fangio's system or in his scheme. It's the same as Shelby Harris going into a defensive tackle and finally figuring out that Mike Purcell's going to work. Now, you got to give this team a little credit. They got a new staff. They got a new scheme. They've got to figure out which guys work in, in the system. There's just some things that's like, come on, guys. You know, come on. You know, guys like like me, Joe Rolls, others can see that Shelby Harris isn't a defensive tackle or a nose tackle, I should say, and he's not working in that position. And you got to figure something out and change it. And it took them four or five weeks. That's inexcusable, really, I think. Now, the good thing is, again, they fixed it. They're in the right direction. And now we can watch these youngsters and, and see who is on this team for a long time. Mike Purcell, sure, he's going to be cheap. Why not? Alexander Johnson, he'll be cheap for a few years. You got guys like Devontae Harris, who's who's turned out to be a stud. You know why? Because it's a good scheme. Because Fangio does have a good defense. And when guys buy in and guys understand what he's trying to do, it works. That's something we should absolutely be optimistic about. You know what? We should also be optimistic about Scangarello. Because Scangarello, in his scheme, when you have the right quarterback and the right players, it's a good scheme. Now, is it a great scheme? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be particularly sexy or different or you know innovative at this point. But it could be, you know, once you get a guy, your guy in there who can learn and continue to build on in that scheme, it could be a great scheme. I fully believe that. And you have pieces. You have Cortland Sutton. You have Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. You've got, you know, Noah Fant, who looks like he could be a game changer. Look what he did against Cleveland. The guy is a beast. Now, I didn't, I, I criticized him heavily at the beginning of the year because I thought he looked slow. I thought he looked fat. You know what? He doesn't look fat anymore, guys. The guy looks like a beast. He looks like someone who would be an absolute game changer. And if you have the right quarterback who can roll out and find his tight end in these seam routes, then he's going to find success. And that's what we need right now. We need that. And we have that. And I think this team is 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 getting closer and closer. They need better offensive line. They're going to need probably another cornerback, another wide receiver, absolutely. But they have a lot of draft picks. They have capital. And they're going to have a lot of money. So we should have hope because when you see finally the right players being plugged into positions in the scheme that actually fits the players better than it does, say, Joe Flacco or Shelby Harris, they're starting to find success. Now, there's going to be a big question in what they do against Minnesota, against Buffalo, against the Chargers. Can they battle? Can their young guys continue to, to show that that they can succeed in this offense. And if the offense can 
you know, start doing some trickeration. Hey, you know, put put Philip Lindsay in the Wildcat and get that first down that, that wrapped up the game. That's awesome. You know, if it wouldn't have worked, we would have criticized it. Of course, that's how things go. That's how it always works. But it worked. And so we love it. And that's what we need to see more of. That This is not a season that's going to be for winning. This is a season to see who is built, who is going to work in these two schemes for the future. These coaches are here to stay. They must be. They must be. We have to have faith in these coaches. Otherwise, you got to start all over again and you got to find players who fit another scheme. We have to have faith in Fangio. We have to have faith in Scangarello. And if you do that, you'd say, okay, these two coaches are the future. Now, who is going to work as players in this team, in these schemes? The good thing is they're they're getting closer and closer to figuring that out. And if they can go out and get guys like Devontae Harris and, and Bosby who, who work, guys really, truly off the scrap heap. I mean, that's a little harsh to them, but it's it's pretty true. And these guys come in and ball and they have passion and they work in the scheme, then I have faith that this front office, that these coaches can figure out how to build a winning team as soon as 2020. The only thing that matters, of course, is who is going to be under center. I'll let the skipper dude take up after that and tell us what his two uh, hot takes are for the rest of the year. And I can tell you right now, one of them is a hot take about the quarterback who should play for the Broncos for the rest of 2019. Uh, you may not like it. Skipper Dude, after this break. Thanks as always, Kevin. All right, so it's the bye week, and today I'm going to go through a couple of hot takes that you may not be hearing anywhere else. But before I do, I wanted to share a little dream that I had recently. Now, I don't remember a ton of my dreams. I very rarely dream about the Broncos, but it was about 6.30 a.m. this past Sunday morning, and I was kind of half asleep waiting for the alarm to go off for church. And suddenly I'm in this dream, and I'm on the sideline of what appears to be the Broncos and Browns game. I look up at the scoreboard, and the Broncos are winning nine to three. There's a minute 40 left in the fourth quarter and the Broncos have the ball second down and the Bron- and the Browns have one timeout remaining. The Broncos can almost run out the clock, but not quite. But I look at the sideline and there's Brandon Allen. I, I can tell I was only half asleep because I-, I wouldn't typically attach Brandon Allen to a dream like this, but he has his helmet on and just standing there. Now the referee is Ed Hockley. Do you remember the buff Ed Hockley? So he calls a penalty against the Broncos, but he puts his hands straight above his head in this strange motion, like straight up, but but not spread apart to signal a touchdown. And I can tell it's some sort of illegal procedure or illegal motion or something like that. So I blip out for just a second, and then I hear him say, and Denver has five seconds to rectify four, three, two, one, zero. And then he waves his hands to signify the end of the game. And he says, Denver forfeits the game. The game is over. So I'm standing in total disbelief on the sideline and I can't decide what I need to do about this. And then I woke up. So a very strange dream, and I tried to figure out what the dream meant, and I finally decided that I think my brain has just not come to grips yet with the roughing the passer call against Bradley Chubb in week two against the Bears. All right, so on to my hot takes. So take number one, in the Vic Fangio defense, Justin Simmons is a more valuable player than Chris Harris Jr. Okay, so hear me out on this. I'm not saying that Justin Simmons is a greater player than Chris Harris Jr. CHJ is a Hall of Fame caliber player. He'd probably be a fairly sure fire Hall of Famer if he played anywhere other than Denver. But I'm saying Justin Simmons is more valuable. So, so let's go back in time to 2011. This is when John Elway became team president and general manager. If you remember, he was fairly transparent almost from the start as to what positions he considered to be in NFL teams' most important positions. His big four have always been quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher, and cornerback. As one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, he's in a pretty good place to make that kind of determination. Now, what that means on defense, though, is that Elway has 
always wanted to build his defense from the outside in. Put your premium resources, your draft picks, your free agents, your big salaries on your pass rushers and your cornerbacks. Less emphasis on the defensive line and safeties. And then by the time you get to your inside linebackers, you're just kind of throwing warm bodies out there. That's the Elway vision. The legendary 2015 defense kind of followed this model. You had three lockdown type cornerbacks in Tlaib, Harris, and Bradley Roby when Roby was on his game. You had two legendary pass rushers in Vaud Miller and Demarcus Ware, and then you had Shaq Barrett as depth as long as well as um, former first-round pick Shane Ray. Your inside group was good. I mean, Danny Trevathan, Brandon Marshall, TJ Ward, Darian Stewart, but really the super elite talent was on the corners and the edge, building from the outside in. Now, Vic Fangio wants to build his defense exactly the opposite. He's looking to make his mark in the middle of the field. And what he wants is a crew of safeties and inside linebackers with some help from the edge rushers and corners who are athletic, more fast, more so than strong, and very good fundamentally. But more importantly, he wants them to be intelligent, intuitive, cohesive, and very quick thinkers. Once he has that talent set in the middle of the field, he can start showing looks that will get into the heads of quarterbacks, like he did with Jared Goff last year in Chicago, and he'll start forcing turnovers. The group he has there today may be on the way to being a great Fangio-style defense, but, but you're not going to see them really gel as a unit for another year or year and a half or so. And, and I think they do have to upgrade some of that talent. So with Fangio's premium resources in the middle of the field, he has a very different concept for how to use cornerbacks from John Elway. Elway wants to feature his cornerbacks, which is a concept that has served him well, obviously. Fangio, on the other hand, just wants his corners to be solid. He doesn't need them to be great. He needs them to be good at coverage, good at reading receivers, good at tackling. They don't need to be elite. So now let's bring this back to Justin Simmons and Chris Harris Jr. Simmons is a guy who looked lost in the Joe Woods system. In fact, you started hearing the word bust getting thrown around in 2018. But I honestly don't think Simmons was the problem. I think Joe Woods just had a crappy defensive scheme that tended to expose the deep safeties to multiple players breaking open long downfield. And that made Simmons look really bad at times. This year, Simmons is playing like a Pro Bowl type of player and looks like an absolute anchor and a stud for this defense for years to come. So now, when the offseason comes, I think John Elway's number one priority above all other player personnel priorities needs to be to resign Justin Simmons. If Simmons is demanding top of the NFL money for safeties, you may have to think about giving it to him. Chris Harris Jr., on the other hand, is not going to draw that level of passion from Elway and Fangio, I don't think. I mean, if you were to ask Fangio and Ed Donatel, do you want to keep Chris Harris Jr.? Then they're both going to say, well, duh, yeah, of course. But that's not the question. I think Harris Jr. is going to want something in the neighborhood of four years and $60 million as a final big contract. And I think he's earned that. I tend to believe he could get it from some other teams. I might be a little high, but, but and there are going to be other teams that want to build around his amazing ability to shut down number one wide receivers. My hunch, though, is that Elway is going to offer something lowball more in the neighborhood of three years and $40 million, maybe something front-loaded like $15 million, $13 million, $12 million to reflect his slowly declining skills. And again, if you ask Fangio and Donatel whether they want Chris Harris Jr. at four years and $60 million, they're going to tell you to spend that money on the offensive line or spending bulking, bulking up the defensive line. Because in the Fangio defense, if you lose Chris Harris Jr. and you have to backfill that position next year with Bryce Callahan and Devontae Bosby and Devontae Harris plus maybe a lower-end free agent and, and maybe a day-two draft pick, they'll live with that. We've seen it this year. Fangio and Donatel will make that work. So the bottom line here, L 
Elway needs to go all in on Justin Simmons this offseason and play things more cautiously with Chris Harris Jr. Why? Because Vic Fangio wants to build his defense from the inside out. And Justin Simmons is about as good a player as he's going to find to build around. Simmons is more valuable to this defense than Chris Harris Jr. Okay, so on to take number two. And that regards the quarterback position. Now listen closely here because I don't think you're going to particularly like what I have to say. But I also think I'm reading the pulse of the Broncos front office at the quarterback position. And I think I'm seeing how this is going to play out. So heading into this offseason, there is one question that the Broncos have to answer. They have to. Does anybody want to guess what that question is? And I'll even give you a hint. The final exam is only one question and it happens in April. All right. That's right. John Elway has to know going into the draft whether he's going to go after Tua or Herbert or Fromm or another one of the great-looking quarterbacks from the 2020 draft class. So what needs to happen so Elway can answer that question? Okay, let's start with Drew Locke. Now think about this for a minute. Here's a guy that you drafted in the second round with what appears to be top-notch tangible talents. Great arm. Nice mobility. He's tall. And his intangibles appear to be, at a minimum, decent. He plays in two preseason games. Looks pretty awful in the first one and much better in the second one. A nice natural progression. Then he injures his thumb and he hasn't practiced formally since. Now, this is the guy, Drew Locke, that you want to be a 12 to 13 year type of a fixture in Denver. You want him to eventually mean to Denver what Ben Roethlisberger means to Pittsburgh or what Phil Philip Rivers means to London. No, wait, did I say London? I meant San Diego or Los Angeles or, or, or whatever. This is the guy who is going to take us to battle and playoff games in the dead of winter, oftentimes on the road. He's the guy who's going to win a Super Bowl or two along the way or not. We just don't know at this point whether he's that guy. But guys, do you really think we're going to figure that out by seeing him play four games at the end of a lost season when he spent the first half of it on the IR? I mean, come on. The vetting that we're looking for with Drew Locke is probably a three-year type of a deal. One redshirt season, two regular seasons, and then you can start to make a, a decision as to whether he's going to be your long-term answer. And this year means nothing. It's a redshirt year. No, what the Broncos need to find out is this. If Drew Locke regresses this offseason, he comes to camp overweight, he never learns to read NFL defense, uh, defenses, he gets injured again, or the hundred other things that can go wrong with a young NFL quarterback, can you make do with Brandon Allen while you're looking for another option? Is Brandon Allen a guy who could make your starter, make your starter next year and, and have him win nine games for you. Rich Gangarella did it with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard in San Francisco. Can he do it again here with Brandon Allen? That, of course, is another question that we just can't answer at this point. But what we know is that young quarterbacks like Brandon Allen are going to go through a very natural process where they catch the teams like, like the Browns, maybe the Vikings off guard, and have some success. Then teams like the Bills and Chargers will find a, a weakness and exploit it. Then Allen and, and Rich Gangarello will have four more games to work through the weaknesses and, the, and, and make adjustments. By eight games in, you have a pretty good feel for what you have. Is he a loser? Is he a career backup? Is he perhaps a guy who can go Gardner Minshew on you? So as we watch the Broncos front office, you're noticing that they're really dragging their feet to make a decision on Drew Locke. And I'll tell you why I think it is. It's not that difficult. Elway traded Emmanuel Sanders, and what was it, the next day, they announced that Tim Patrick would be one of their two players reinstated from IR. I think the coaching staff is just waiting for circumstances to dictate the other guy who comes off of IR. If Chris Harris Jr. or Devontae Harris goes down at this point, 
then, and Devontae Bosby is ready to come back, then I think you bring back Bosby. If Lindsey or Freeman goes down and Theo Riddick is ready, then you bring back Theo Riddick. If Brandon Allen gets injured, then yes, you, of course, you bring back Drew Locke. I don't think Elway and the coaching staff have any real pressing desire to see Drew Locke this year. As fans, we do, and I think they know that, and then they're trying to play to that to a certain degree, but honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. So my hot take number two today is that the Broncos need to roll with Brandon Allen for the rest of this year and leave Drew Locke on IR unless you need him as an injury replacement. Okay, so there you have it, my two hot takes for this week. And Kevin, since we're talking about quarterbacks, I'd like to close today with a little ode to Joe Flacco, a guy who came to Denver, dealt with the reality of a landslide of a left tackle and oncoming defensive lineman, took to closing his eyes and chucking balls out of bounds, and in the final analysis, was pretty much here just to collect a paycheck. Joe, this one's for you. Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a Don't let the door hit you on the way out, Joe Flacco. Kevin, back to you. As always, a very interesting take from the Skipper Dude, and it really brings up some good points, some interesting points that we should talk about. Um, Simmons, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Couldn't agree more that that he is more important, that Chris Harris Jr., if he's going to stay, he's going to have to take a major pay uh, decrease um, because he's getting older, and, and it is not the most important thing in this team, and I don't think, honestly, he's been as good this year. Now, I think his stats are good. He's been solid, but he hasn't been great. I mean, that's my eye test. Tell me I'm wrong. It's fine. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I see. I see him, you know, giving up some some yards, and, and like Odell Beckham Jr. getting past him. Now, OBJ is a very good wide receiver, so I understand it, but he's not the shutdown corner he used to be. He's very solid. He's good, but he's not deserving of a top paycheck. Now, I do absolutely hope he comes back, but it does have to be for the right price because this team should build from the inside out, just like Skipper Dude said, because that is the Fangio scheme. That is his image of a team, and you have to build to his image right now. That's just, you have to. There's no, there's no question. If he's the future coach, you need to build what he needs and what he wants. And as again, as I said in the first segment, you're starting to see that. You're starting to see guys who work in that system, and you've got to pay them. Justin Simmons, pay the man. Alexander Johnson, pay him. You know, Give him a, a small contract. He, you know, he's an undrafted free agent, you know, guy who's been on the practice squad but still keep him around he, he's shown all the things you want thus far in a Fangio scheme now he hasn't been perfect he's made plenty of mistakes but if he's being ranked as one of the top middle linebackers in football by by other websites then yeah he, he at least deserves some attention you know other guys like Devontae Harris came out of really nowhere and he's been really good you know Devontae Bosby has been really good before he got hurt so that that that's you know something that you don't really seemingly need to pay a ton of money for now the defensive line is practically going to be blown up in the offseason, as far as we know, because everyone's contracts are ending. Harris, Wolf, Gotsis, they're all probably gone. Now, maybe maybe you re-sign Wolf to a team-friendly deal. We'll see. He, he's been solid, uh, especially in the second half of the first half of the year, I should say. So the second quarter of the year. Um, but, yeah, again, it's all about price, and it's all about, okay, who fits in the system. Now, as we saw, Shelby Harris didn't fit as the nose tackle, but Mike Purcell did. 
And that's the kind of thing you got to figure out who's going to be the guy who really makes a difference on this team. Now, as we've seen too, the edge rushers have not been great. They just haven't. I mean, Von Miller's not been Von Miller. He's been okay. He's been good. He's not been great. He's not been the, the MVP caliber, the guy who is a future hall of famer. That's not who he's played this year. He hasn't played that well. Now, Maybe that scheme, maybe it's, you know, he's battling injuries. Maybe, you know, he hasn't looked as bad as his stats say, and I agree with that. But it doesn't matter. He still hasn't been great. You know, their edge has not, is, is one of the lower ranked edge defenses, you know, edge groups and, you know, pass rushing groups in all of football. And so that's going to have to be addressed. Now, I think you have two players who are great on the edge. So you're maybe needing some guys who can back them up. Maybe that is Justin Hollins. Maybe that is Malik Reed guys who are going to be cheap they're young and that's that's obviously good so if you have say four or five guys there maybe that's not the problem maybe the, maybe the problem is that they're not getting enough pressure up the middle to 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 get after the quarterback and so if that's the case then of course you spend money on you know defensive tackle defensive line and I think that probably is the case I think you're going to see in this offseason they're going to really really attack going after big men you know they're going to really draft offensive line defensive line you're, you're going to see a wide receiver maybe drafted fairly high. Maybe they bring in, you know, a, a veteran wide receiver, um, a speed guy, because you need someone who can complement Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton is your star. He's your guy who you toss the ball up to, who can get, you know, the big plays. But you do need a, a, a fast guy like Emmanuel Sanders, a guy who can, you know, bust open the defense deep. Sutton, yeah, he can probably do it, but he's not the guy you really want doing that. So go out and get a, a, a I don't know, a Ross or a John Brown type of a player. Um, or draft him. So uh, I do want to go in and quickly go over my grades. You can read these also on milehighreport.com, which, of course, as you all know, I assume if you're listening to my show, you listen to the milehighreport.com podcast, which is excellent with Adam Alnati and Ian St. Clair. They've had on some great, great guests the last few weeks. Highly, highly recommend it. Once you're done with my show, definitely go and listen to them. They, they always put out good stuff. The same with milehighreport.com. These, these, these men and women are just the, the best at what they do, really. They give out such great content, such well-thought-out content every day. Um, stay with them. Um, now, I graded these. A lot of my grades are just based simply on the eye test, you know, because as I kind of joke about in my lead into my article on milehighreport.com, I kind of joke, you know, that that's pretty much what you know, the, the famous grading uh, website right now, which has three letters and starts with a P and ends with an F, uh, that's pretty much what they do. They, they judge it by their eyes, and there's some grade that someone gives about something. No one really knows how they grade it. They just grade it. They watch every play, and then they grade it. And I think some of the grades, they sound good, and they work. Like, hey, Alexander Johnson, they graded him really well, so I like it. They also have graded Garrett Bowles really well, and that is, um, huh? Yeah, so anyway... Yeah, take that for what it's worth. Take this for what it's worth. This is just really my opinion. This is what I've seen, and it's with a couple of stats that I found from different websites that kind of worked with my narrative because, again, that's what we do, right? That's what we do. So I know we're a little past the first half of the season, um, but we're going to grade it as practically the first half um, because, yeah, you know, it's only nine weeks, and um, the bye week gives us a perfect time to look behind and then, of course, to look ahead. Now, for the special teams, I've given the special teams a D plus, and honestly, the only reason they're not an F or a, you know at least a D minus is because Deontay Spencer's been actually quite good at returner. So D plus is a little harsh, um, but I think it's still accurate. They've not been good. They've been one of the worst coverage teams in football and one of the worst punters in football. Um, McManus has been okay. You know he hasn't really done anything honestly. Partly he hasn't given the, been given the chance because the Broncos can't score worth a darn. Um, hopefully that will change in the second half. Uh, Deontay Spencer has been really nice. He's been a kind of a revelation. They've had really no one at return, man, since I don't even remember. I mean, maybe Royal, Eddie Royal. He was the last one I remember who was a game changer. Now, Spencer, I wouldn't say he's been like Eddie Royal type, but he's been he's been good. He's been solid, and he's broken some good runs. I think I heard during the broadcast he was the number four returner in the NFL. So, of course, props to him. McManus, okay, he's been fine. Um, Kobe Wadman should be fired yesterday, as I say. I would rather... Uh, Jano out there um, punting it because he'd probably kick it farther than Wadman, who is just brutal. He's, he's just brutal. Why do, Why are our punters always terrible? Jeez, they punt half of their games in altitude. What the heck? Why are they always bad? John Elway, figure it out, man. Go get a go get a punter who doesn't suck. You know, the Browns have a punter from Scotland, for goodness sake. You know, if they can get a guy from Scotland 
John Elway can probably figure out a punter from somewhere in America who can punt for more than an average of, what, 38 net yards. Good grief. Figure it out. Okay, defensive line. I've got the defensive line as a C-. minus. Um, I've got Mike Purcell as an A+. plus. Now, if anyone's followed the Broncos this year, they know the first few games, the first four games, they were really, really bad up front. And especially against the run, they gave up like 500 yards running against the Jaguars and then said, okay, yeah, this maybe this isn't working. So, you know, Shelby Harris just isn't a nose tackle and they figured that out way too late. Anyway, they figured it out. They put it in Mike Purcell, who's been an absolute beast. I, I don't remember the exact number because this was on Twitter and I didn't feel like digging through again. But before, I think this was from Joe Mahoney from, from, from Mile High Report. And I think he said before Mike Purcell came in, they were giving up an average per carry. I think it was something like 4.6 yards per carry. After Mike Purcell came in, they're giving up less than three yards per carry. That is remarkable. I mean, really remarkable. Um, good for him. What a dude. You know, he's, he's really jumped around, traveled around. He plays with his hair on fire. And, and he deserves to bring this defensive line up a few notches. So the, the line itself really hasn't been that good. Um, Wolf has had a few good games. No one else has shown anything at all to me. They don't ever pressure the quarterback except for Wolf, who, I mean, he's really more of a defensive end anyway. And, and of course, Mike Purcell, who's been a beast against the run. Um, edge rushers, pass rushers. Um, I've got them at a D plus. Now, I understand this is a harsh, harsh ranking because, yeah, you know, Chubb's been hurt and, you know, everyone's, Von Miller's been fine. You know, Joe Rolls is always backing up Von Miller. It's like, no, he hasn't. I mean, I'm not panicking about Von Miller. I'm not saying they should trade him. I'm not saying that he's the worst ever, but he hasn't been Von Miller. Period. He hasn't made the big plays. He didn't make the big play against Jacoby Brissett and the, and the Colts, which lost them the game. That's that's on him. It is. I mean, yeah, it was a great play by Brissett, but you know what? It wasn't a great play by Miller, and that's what we've expected from him. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He's one of the best pass rushers I've ever seen and will ever see. But you know what? They're the 24th in sacks in the NFL. According to ESPN, they're the 28th ranked group in terms of team pass block win rate. Now, I don't know what that means, but it's bad. Von Miller has not been a superstar. He hasn't. Now, these other guys, there are some guys, young guys, who, yeah, they could turn into something. Justin Hollins has had his moments. Malik Reed has had his moments. And they're young and they're cheap. And if they can find a way to, you know, boost their game in the offseason in, in 2020, then cool. I'm not giving up on the edge rush. But in the first half of 2019, they've not been good. They don't deserve more than a D plus, And, yeah, try to convince me I'm wrong because I'm not. Okay, up next, inside linebackers. I've got a C for the inside linebackers, Alexander Johnson, and A++++. This is like, I don't know if you've seen Christmas Story where the teacher is just giving A++++, and she keeps, she's writing the pluses all the way around the the, the, the wall on in the schoolroom. It's, it's fantastic. Anyway, um, Johnson's been a revelation. The, the guy's been amazing. I mean, he came, again, out of nowhere. He's undrafted. Uh, he's been a practice squad guy. He really balled out in the, in the, you know, in the off season, in the preseason and didn't really get a chance until injuries forced him in. And then he's proven to be better than anyone else they had. And, and I've never liked Todd Davis. I've never liked Josie Jewell because they're not fast enough. They don't seem smart enough. You know, they're, they're okay. They're guys who can every now and then pop somebody and you know, they're, they're kind of special teams players. And I know people love Todd Davis. He's kind of a team favorite. He's a, he's a raw, he's, he's a tough dude, I think. And that's fine. I mean, he, he's got his place on the team, but it's not as your number one starting middle linebacker. I mean, I think you have that guy now in Alexander Johnson, and you need another guy to go alongside him who can also run you know, both sides of the field. Now, maybe that's Todd Davis, but uh, yeah, I mean, at least on, on first and second down, maybe but on third down, you need a, I think you need a guy more like Danny Trevathan, a guy who can just really run, and I hope that they address that in the offseason. Todd, Todd Davis can be your backup to Alexander Johnson. Anyway, everyone else, Josie Joel, Todd Davis, they've not been very good. They, they've been exploited at times, and especially before Mike Purcell um, joined they were really giving up a lot in the middle and, you know, in the run game, partly because of the nose tackle and partly because the, the middle linebackers couldn't get off their blocks. All right. Secondary. I gave the secondary a B plus uh, football outsiders put the Broncos in fourth place for passing defense as a passing defense. Um, and they've done that actually with, with significant injuries, obviously. I mean, Bryce Callahan was supposed to be one of the major pieces of this secondary and he hasn't played a snap. Um, Devonte Bosby was really good and really balling out and he got a major injury. So, Right now, they've got Chris Harris Jr., they've got uh, Devontae Harris, um, they've got Kareem Jackson, and Justin Simmons, who, who absolutely deserves a shout-out because he is, he is 
abs- no question a Pro Bowl player right now. Maybe, maybe an All Pro in my opinion. He he is playing at that level. Um, they've been a very good group. Um, they, they've they've the only reason I give them a B plus, I, I give them less than an A because they've given up some really big plays at the end of games and plays that have lost this team games. And, and that and that that's bad. And and, and Harris Jr. has been kind of part of it and other just miscommunication. Um, and it's enough that I don't want to give them an A. Anyway, I, I like this group. I'm really curious to see what they do next year. Hopefully Callahan comes back healthy. Um, and if, if he does, honestly, I could see them going with Callahan, Bosby, Harris. You know, not Devon, not Chris Harris Jr., but Devontae Harris. Because as Skipper Dude just said, cornerback is not the most important position on this team. And I, I firmly, fully agree with him. And that being the case, you don't need to spend a lot of money on it. Maybe you go draft a guy. Um, you know, to, to work behind them, but it all depends on Callahan. Can he be your number one or, you know, do you bring in someone else? Maybe Bosby's your number one, whatever. You know, I don't love it. I think it wouldn't be a great secondary. I would like to resign Chris Harris Jr., but you just, you can't overpay him. Also, P.S., as I say in my article, I love Kareem Jackson. Okay, offensive line. I'm giving the offensive line an F-. minus. They're terrible. They're, they're part of why Joe Flacco was terrible. They're part of why this team has lost so many games. And... Yeah, what more do I need to say? Dalton Reisner, I give an A minus. He's a rookie, and he's really he's had his moments of of bad plays, but in general, he's really shown that he can have a very bright future in this league. He's tough, he's quick, he's got good feet, he's strong, and he's nasty. You know, but he doesn't make mistakes. He, he's not he's not he's not Garrett Bowles nasty like idiot nasty. He's he's smart nasty. He stops after the whistle. He doesn't hold dudes. He doesn't make many mistakes. He, and he has a long, long future for this team. The rest of the offensive line needs to be completely blown up next season and completely started over again. Hopefully Mike Munchak can find a way to find the right guys that can make this, you know, part of the team not completely awful. Tight end, I've, I'm, this is kind of a tough one. I'm giving it a B minus. I think no offense. I think he started badly to the year. I think, again, I think, I don't know if he was off, if he was out of shape, but he was not playing at a good speed. Let's just say that. Um, whatever the reason that was, that was the case. Um, whatever the reason for it was, I should say, that was that was still the case. Um, anyway, I'm giving him a B-. Uh, he really showed against Cleveland that if he has, has a quarterback who can get an extra second, that he can make plays. Now, the 70-yard the touchdown was really bad tackling by Cleveland. I mean... I don't really know if he deserved that touchdown, but you know what? He got it. You know, he ran through it. He ran hard, and and he made a couple of the really nice plays in that game. And he, he boy, a guy who the sky's the limit for this dude. I really mean it. And I, I thought that when they when they drafted him, I was really high on this pick. I really think he works very well in this offense. You just need a quarterback who can get get him the ball. And maybe now finally they have that guy. And if that's the case, he's on pace to get a 500 yards or more as a rookie. And I saw somewhere that that is unusual. I don't remember the stats, but it's unusual. Anyway, okay, running back. This was a hard one. Um, I'm giving a C plus. Uh, you know, they, they've they've had their moments. Philip Lindsay is, is always good. You know, he, he just, he makes plays. He's a baller and he's a guy I love having on my team. That said, I think the offensive line has hurt them. I think the play calling has hurt them. I think not having a quarterback has hurt them. If they get an offensive line, they can work with this scheme, even a decent one. They don't have to be great, but if the offensive line can be better than an F minus, then these running backs can be really, really, really good. And so the C plus is maybe it's a little harsh this year, but I think it's about right. And I, my, my hopes for them for the future though, are, are really as high as they possibly could be. I think this team with a good offensive line and a quarterback that can keep defenses honest, this running team could be really, really good. And Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, they're a great combo. And um, I'm very happy to have them on on this team. Now, wide receiver, I really I give this an, an, an NA. I said it, it's not answerable, not applicable. I, I mean, it's really hard to judge because, you know, Tim Patrick's been hurt all, really all year. Emmanuel Sanders got traded. You know, Deshaun Hamilton's really done nothing, but he's been a pretty good blocker. Um, now, obviously, the one the one exe- exemption from that is Cortland Sutton. I give him an A+. The guy... I love Cortland Sutton. Anyone who listens to my show knows that I've loved him from the beginning, even though he was struggling as a rookie. He's a guy who I've always thought just gets it. He gets it. He 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 he's a baller. He he understands football. He's smart. He's humble. He's nice. And he's man, he's talented. That catch against Cleveland was one of the most dope plays I've seen in seasons for the Broncos. That was such a good play. 
and just wanted it more than the other guys. And that is what you need. That's the, the player you want on this team. I absolutely think they can build this offense around Cortland Sutton. If you get a quarterback who just gives him the chance, the dude could be one of the top five receivers in the NFL, hands freaking down. Okay, quarterback, I give an F minus, minus, minus. Now, this is excusing Brandon Allen. Let's just pretend we're talking about eight weeks of quarterback. Brandon Allen, total props, tip of the cap. He played just as well as, as we hoped and thought he could play. It was good enough to win. It was good enough to win. He, he, he didn't make too many mistakes or didn't really make any mistakes, and he made easy passes when he needed to. And yeah, he made a, a questionable decision to throw it to Sutton, but you know what? He gave his guy a chance, and his guy paid, you know, he paid him back for it. So tip of the cap to him. He doesn't deserve an F, but he's, it's too early to judge. I can't judge Brandon Allen. Jeez, I, I, let's, let's get into that later. Um, Joe Flacco deserves an F. Bad quarterback. I mean, that's, that's all I need to say. He's a bad quarterback, and he gave up. So he deserves less than an F because he's not good. He, he gave up on his team, and uh, that's enough of that because I've talked ad nauseum about Joe Flacco. Okay, the coaches. I'm giving the coaches a high grade. I'm giving the coaches a B-. minus. Now, they've made a couple bad decisions. They've made a couple play calls that were very questionable. But part of that, I think they changed their play calling because they saw the limitations that Joe Flacco had at quarterback. That's just simply what I saw on offense. The defense, yeah, they had some bad players in it at first. Again, why on earth is Shelby Harris at nose tackle? And you continue to go with him, even though it's clearly not working. And, and again, same with middle linebackers. But hey, they finally found the players that work, and you see that the schemes are good. This is a good defensive scheme. It, it works. Now, we'll see what happens when they play a, a, you know, a really good offense. But they, they've shown that, except for against Kansas City, they can be a very stout defense. And they've been you know top five, really, for the last few weeks. The offense, I also like. I think it's a, when you get a good quarterback in there who works, or not even good, a quarterback who can work with the scheme, it's a smooth scheme. I, I think it has a lot of promise. I think they've done a decent job play calling. Now, they have a limitation because their talent is lacking in offensive line at, at receiver and especially at quarterback. But I, I like them. I, I like these coaches. I think they're setting a good tone. I think the atmosphere seems to be good. I think they're mature. And I think they have good schemes. So I'm giving the coaches a B minus, and I have a lot of hope for them for the future. Now, the front office, I'm giving a D plus. Um, I'm not giving them an F because they do they have built some talent on this team. Um, you do have guys like Sutton and Lindsey and Freeman, and, 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 and you've, you've seen them succeed in finding guys in the last two seasons. Now, some of it's been luck, like, uh, excuse me, like Alexander Johnson and Philip Lindsey. Okay, maybe it's, a little skill, but a lot of luck because that, I mean, come on, when they're undrafted and you just happen to pick them up and they, they ball out, okay, it's good, but yeah, I'm not going to pat you on the shoulder for that one. Now, the D-plus really comes from, okay, you know how I feel about Joe Flacco. Again, John Elway says he's in his prime. Really? Really? I mean, with this offensive line and a, and a new play caller, you bring in a guy who can't move in the pocket. This isn't new. Bad, bad, bad. Bowles deserves chances over and over and over. At left tackle, you can't just, you know, give up on the guy, even though he's cost you multiple games. Bad. The two biggest free agent additions in 2019 were guys with injury history and, oh, what? They're hurt? Yeah, bad. John Elway has put out a team that's going to have three straight losing seasons, and that's not acceptable in Denver. It's not. Now, am I giving up on Elway? No, I'm not. I think he does deserve a few more years, and I think he is slowly rebuilding a team that could be good. It all depends on quarterback, and that will determine John Elway's future with this team. What quarterback does he run with? What quarterback does he give the reins to? And he must give the reins to someone. No more of this quarterback, you know, carousel. Give the reins to someone. And if he does give it to the right person, then this D-plus could be an A-plus next year. It could, because the last two drafts have been better, and they have brought in some good, you know, cheap talent. When you have cheap talent like Alexander Johnson and Devontae Bosby, these guys who don't get paid a ton, you can succeed. You can go out and, and get a top-notch wide receiver or a top-notch defensive tackle. And I think if they do that, this could be a very good team even in 2020, but it all depends on the quarterback. Now, Skipper Dude, as he talked about, that he thinks that, that Brandon Allen is going to start the rest of 2019. I can see that happening. Now, from the rumblings I've heard, I think that they're going to start Drew Locke uh, against the Chargers um, at home. I think they'll they'll go two more weeks with Brandon Allen, see what he has probably as a backup, you know, maybe a long-term backup, 
and then you roll with 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 Drew Lock and see what he can give you for for the rest of the season. Now, I could see it being Brandon Allen and you redshirt Drew Lock. Honestly, if that happens, it's a good thing for Drew Lock fans because it means that the John Elway and his staff believe in Drew Lock and know he is the future and that they don't need to see him in order to not draft someone in 2020. I don't think there's any other way of looking at that, in my opinion. So if he doesn't play, don't panic, Drew Lock fans. Don't panic. That's actually good. Like I said, that's a good thing. Now, if he does play a few games and gets totally shelled, you know, it's it's going to be a question because it, it, this is a hard thing to say because it's a bad offensive line and it's a rookie play caller and, you know, you don't have a ton of talent. Now, you have guys who are talented, but, you know, who who is who is after Noah Fant right now? I mean, Deontay Spencer is like the number three wide receiver. That's not good. Fred Brown, huh? You know, so anyway, they, they don't have a ton of talent on offense. You know, they have a few guys who can build around, but right now it's not great. So I think Drew Locke could struggle if he comes in. He, he probably will struggle. So it, it is a very big question what they do. Honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure what they do. I, I think they're going to see what Brandon Allen does in the next few games. Maybe see if 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 the team can be competitive against Minnesota and against um, uh, the Bills or win, for goodness sake. Then you probably roll with Brandon Allen and you 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 start Locke next season. But again, it all depends on what you think of Locke. Is he ready? Is he your guy? If he's your guy, then you redshirt him. I actually think that's the case. You know, and you give him another offseason to train. You say, yeah, Brandon Allen's going to roll this season. And if he loses, no big deal. We'll draft a defensive tackle with a ninth pick in the draft or a wide receiver, whatever. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. Honestly, I don't know what they should do. Uh, I think it's a really hard decision. But if they like Locke, then they they probably actually should redshirt him. And I and my mind has changed on that. I do want to I, I admit that. I, I've I have gone back and forth on that. I know listeners right now are shaking their head like Kevin said that Drew Locke should start. And two or three weeks ago, I started to kind of change my opinion. And that this is due to other people with good opinions. I don't mind changing my opinion. Some people convince me. I mean, you know, shoot me. I mean, that that's good for the people who convince me. You know, Joe Rolls being one of them that says, yeah, you know. Why throw him in? What's it going to prove? What's it going to help? And I think that could be the case. So if you like the guy, yeah, red shirt him, start him next year. He is your future for at least the next two or three years. And that's okay with me. So if they don't start him, don't panic, Drew Lock fans. That That's my main message for really the rest of the season. You know, don't, don't get too heated if he doesn't play. And if he doesn't play, it means the Broncos are not going to draft a quarterback. I firmly believe that. If he does play and gets shellacked, then, well, we're going to have an offseason of who's going to be drafted and blah, blah, blah. So, honestly, if he doesn't play, it's probably a good thing for all of us. <laughs> so, let's see. Let's see what happens. I think Mike Kless said that they, that they like Drew Locke and they think he's going to play at least a few weeks of, the, weeks of the year. And if he does play, it doesn't mean that they're giving up on him, obviously. Just wait and see when he starts, who he starts against, and see, you know, what what kind of faith they put in him and, and what offense he runs, what offense they trust him to run, etc. There's a lot we can learn. There's a lot we can watch. And that's cool because this isn't a good team and they're not going to be good this year. They're not going to the playoffs. And that sucks. So we got to have things that we can cheer for, things that we can be excited about. And that's one. Let's see. Let's see what they do with the quarterback. And that's nice. I think that's cool. Now, I don't love quarterback controversy, but this isn't a controversy because right now we have two young quarterbacks who do have they have optimism. There's optimism here. And now finally Joe Flacco is gone. And, and I am more optimistic. I hated Joe Flacco being here, period. It doesn't make any sense. Thank goodness he's gone. Now, not thank goodness he's hurt. I don't want him to be hurt. I want, to, I want him to be benched. I want him, him to never touch the ball again for the Broncos. I don't want him to be hurt. I just want to clarify that. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm more happy now than I was a few weeks ago. Thank goodness we have quarterbacks that we can feel good about, players that want to be on this team. You know, Sanders is gone. Flacco is gone. Let's build on this youth. Let's be optimistic. Let's be happy about this team. And let's be excited about what we have to look forward to for the rest of the year. Because you know what? This team ain't done. They're not done. I think they could surprise a few teams. I think Buffalo, Minnesota, they should watch out because this team is starting to figure it out. They're starting to figure out on defense. They're starting to figure it out on offense. And if they put it all together, you better watch out, world, because they ain't going to make the playoffs, but they sure could ruin the life of some of the teams in the league. And that could start with Minnesota. It could start with Buffalo. And I certainly hope to watch it happen. Watch it happen. 
again next Friday. Thanks for listening. This has been the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. I'm Kevin Gilligan. Thanks again to the Skipper Dude. We'll see you next Friday. Go Broncos. I guess go Broncos and uh, have a nice uh, vacation. (laughs) Until next Friday. Peace. Mm, Don't fall asleep. Meanwhile, in Cleveland... He's angry over the entire thing every single time we wish out one of these quarterbacks that will hopefully sink us from the hell that we have created for ourselves throughout this entire time and have us have this happen yet again! More saviors, more societies, the same damn actions! The same thing! The Emperor no longer has clothes! And I am a shell of myself. Today's the day where things change. So after this screaming and after this yelling, I'm sorry because it's 6.20 in the morning. I'm going to lay here and I'm going to take it. If you got something to yell at the Browns, you yell at them. If you got something to yell at Baker Mayfield or John or, or Freddie Kitchens, you go ahead and let it off your chest. If you got something to say to me, you go ahead and say it. Because I made a guarantee that I'm personally responsible for. I have let myself down. I have let you down. I have let everybody down. So for the next three hours and 40 minutes, you got something to say to me, you go right on ahead. You will not get anything back from me. I got it coming to me because I'm a damn fool for having any faith whatsoever in this train wreck. Goodbye.